Angeles Lakers are the 2023-2024 NBA National Basketball Association in-season tournament champions. Let's go! So the Lakers uh, took care of business over the weekend. They obviously, uh, you know, they, 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 the last time you guys heard from us was Friday afternoon after the night before the Lakers on uh, Thursday just walloped the New Orleans Pelicans, right? They shut off their water and were so good defensively that I compared them to a Komodo dragon eating a... Uh, deer stuck in the mud while the deer is like watching itself get eaten. And um, yeah, that actually happened. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Somebody said it was a great description of the Lakers defense. And you know what? Thank you. The Lakers then followed that up by turning the Indiana Pacers offense, the best offense in the NBA. This is from uh, Darius Soriano. LFR, Form Blue and Gold, um, NBA.com. But, and, and several people have pointed this out. I just grabbed his stat. Uh, quote, the Lakers have the top-ranked offense in the league and historically the most efficient offense ever with 123.5 offensive rating. In the in-season tournament title game, the Lakers held them to an offensive rating of 102.8. I don't know how many people listening, I, I would imagine a lot of you, but um, remember Linsanity? And remember how Linsanity was this really heartwarming story that everybody seemed to love? I, you know, to this day, most people look back on it fondly, other than like Carmelo Anthony. The Lakers, or not the Lakers, the Knicks then headed into Miami. And the Miami Heat, that had Dwayne Wade, that had LeBron James, that, you know, a, a team that was eventually going to go on. I don't know if I would call it a dynastic run, but certainly like an era defining run is what I would kind of call it. Right. They would, you can't, you can't describe that era of basketball and not talk about the Miami heat while LeBron was there. So New York goes into Miami and I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm a little nervous for Jeremy Lin here. And uh, <laughs> he, not, this isn't just something that I noticed and that other people noticed over the course of that game when Lin went into Miami. But Jeremy Lin himself says that those guys, it felt like playing against those guys, they were out to prove something that night. My fun, like, tinfoil hat theory is that the uh, that Heat team that was very close to Car Carmelo Anthony. They're all very good friends to this day. Um, that Heat team like took it upon themselves to kind of bring Jeremy Lin down a rung or two, so that like Carmelo would be like the main story there. And a really fun extension of that theory is like, did Carmelo ask them to do that? I don't think so, but I don't don't think so either. So anyway. In that game, the Miami Heat absolutely, absolutely obliterated Jeremy Lin. He, they just like took him out of the game. And you looked at him throughout that game, and he just had this like 
kind of dead eye stare, like million mile stare off into the distance of, well, that was fun while it lasted. What the hell did I just experience? Another kind of example of this is when um, the dream team played against Tony Kukoc's country and the Bulls had just signed Tony Kukoc. But uh, Michael Jordan was not happy about the signing. So basically, he and Scottie Pippen like took turns guarding Tony Kukoc the full 94 feet of, of, of that, of that floor and never made him feel comfortable, played physical with him the whole time. And, you know, you kind of watch him and throughout that game, it's just like, these guys are going to be my teammates. I have to deal with them all the time. I guess it's better than playing against them. And, uh, he just looked at the, his, at his face, Jeremy Lin's face, and frankly, for large chunks of that in-season title game between the Lakers and Pacers, you look at Tyrese Halliburton's face, and it's just like, they don't stop coming. <laughs> and and like we'll get to various other parts of of the Lakers winning that tournament or whatever. And you know, we'll we'll kind of go micro to macro, but I I just I can't I can't talk about that tournament and not immediately think of the defense that the Lakers found themselves capable of playing. And, oh, man, if that is something that they are going to, like, you know, design their identity around, and they really fully commit to it over the course of the season, and I'm not saying every game from here on out is going to have that kind of intensity, because clearly the Lakers really, you know, really wanted to win that money either for themselves or for their teammates. I have always kind of laughed at the idea that like they were winning it specifically for the guys at the end of the bench when LeBron James is like widely known as the cheapest player in the NBA, right? There's the, you know, the, the, the famous story about him is that on days that he would be the like locker room DJ, I believe in every stop that he's been in, maybe it's changed since. But if his if his uh, phone was connected to the Bluetooth speakers and he'd have Pandora going, you would hear the commercials from Pandora, even though it was playing directly from LeBron James's phone. And he is like more than capable of paying for Pandora, obviously. Um, I You know, I'm not saying that, like, you know, they weren't happy to win those guys money, but. I'm going to go out on, on a limb and say that the guy who is trying to amass as much wealth as possible by the time he retires so that he would be positioned to buy an NBA franchise or be a part of an ownership group of an NBA franchise, that guy is pinching every single penny that he has at his disposal and winning every single penny that he can possibly win. But anyway, the Lakers won. And it was a fun tournament from the Lakers' perspective. It, I thought, showcased a lot of really good things to look forward to for the rest of the season. And, you know, hopefully heading into the postseason, uh, this team is good. And I, I said it on Friday, uh, heading off into the weekend, and I said that this team is, is a championship contender. That has now become like the popular stance on the Lakers. So for those of you who like try to find shows where you hear such things first, welcome. Hi. Yeah. The Lakers Lowdown and the Lakers Lounge. All that good stuff right here.
I want to start in talking about that title game in particular with Anthony Davis. Those of you who listen regularly know I can be very hard on AD. I have very high expectations of a guy who we consider like among some of the most talented players we will ever watch play the game of basketball in that game. And this is why we, you know, have come to expect that type of effort because we know he's capable of this. So in that championship game against miles Turner, who is a very good defensive center, Anthony Davis in 41 minutes scores 41 points, grabs 20 rebounds, Dishes out five assists, had four blocks, was a plus 13 in the game, 16 of 24 from the field, 9 of 13 from uh, the free throw line, and every second that he was on the court, you felt his presence. He was the best player on the court that game. And I found it really interesting how emphatic he was in everything that he did. He had some dunks down the stretch where he had that one alley-oop right from uh, LeBron, where LeBron throws him the lob, and you're like, Oof, man, that's pretty Wow, AD went up there. He still can. And on that play, right, you look at the you look at the slow-mo, and his, like, forearm slash elbow is, like, right there with the rim, and he throws it down, and he screams at the crowd. And as, you know, as he's, uh, after, after a different and one late in the game, he's screaming at the crowd. I don't know if it was I'm him or... or you know, I'm like that, whatever he was saying, he was just, you know, it felt like a message. It felt like one of those games that, you know, for everybody, myself included, who find themselves wondering about Anthony Davis's, you know, amount of grit and uh, the, 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 for everybody, my, again, myself included here, myself probably most loudly among people, you know, wondering, is this the guy that the Lakers can really get behind? Can he be the best player on a championship level team? And I don't think the Pacers are championship contenders. So I don't necessarily know if this goes very far in answering that, but it did go pretty far in, you know, alleviating some of my concerns regarding his, like his willingness or his desire, his interest in shutting somebody up. Not to say that the Pacers were saying all kinds of stuff. I didn't notice notice anything like that. But us, me, he shut me up in that game. That was great. Please, Anthony Davis, shut me up more often. I mean, it makes it tough for me to make a living if I'm not allowed to talk or whatever. But I'll find other stuff to talk about. Fuck, I'll I'll sing your praises. If if that's the kind of game that you're gonna you know throw out there in big ones, next time you see Jokic, you throw a game like that out there, and I'm like. All right, let's go. Lakers were even more capable of winning a championship. And the thing that I liked the most about that game against the Pacers was uh, the the versatility on offense. And then also the willingness to just absolutely dominate somebody. Miles Turner had no place whatsoever on the court next to him. Miles finishes the game uh, 25 minutes, 3 of 11 from the floor. One of five from three-point range, three or four from the line, only seven boards, only one assist, only one steal, no block shots, and he fouled out and was just behind uh, Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald, 
for lowest plus minus in, in the game. And and like basically what the Lakers did here is they turned Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner into two of the least impactful players on the court there for the vast majority of the game. And and that's like I told Taraj uh, right after the, the semifinal game against the Pelicans, where I think this Lakers defense is capable basically of taking away every team's best thing. And in this case, they took away their best and second best thing. The Lakers slowed the game down. They 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 absolutely suffocated the best, not one of the best, and not merely like just the best. This is this team, this Indiana Pacers team, and and like it's still on pace because the in season tournament stats, uh, the finals uh, stats from the in season tournament finals don't count towards the regular season. So this is still the Indiana Pacers uh, offense the most efficient offense in the history of the sport. Not, this isn't hyperbole. This is statistical, you know, this is statistically backed up. The Lakers absolutely enveloped the, uh, enveloped, if you will, if you, if you prefer, the greatest offense, statistically speaking, in NBA history. That is insane. That is unbelievable. And they did so, like, again, in waves where Tyrese Halliburton, he had a couple spurts here and there. But in 35 minutes, Halliburton, 8 of 14 from the field, 2 of 8 from three-point range, 2 of 3 from the free throw line, 20 points, 11 assists. Like, that's a fine game for anybody. But Halliburton was getting, like, oh, my God, this is a superstar, next superstar. I still think he's capable of being a superstar. But the Lakers basically just like, nah, nah, we're going to Jerry, Jeremy Lin, this guy, you know, we're going to Tony Kukoc, this guy. And again, throughout that game, late in it, you see Halliburton, million miles stare. Oh, man. This sucks. Playing against this defense sucks. And it's because not only do you have all of that length on the perimeter where the Lakers can start Cam Reddish on him, and then they can go to Max Christie, and then they can go to Jared Vanderbilt, and then you can go, and then you can, you know, go back to uh, Cam Reddish. And every so often, you can go to Torian Prince. I prefer not to, but you can every so often. And you can just rotate guy after guy after guy after guy. And you can throw different coverages in, in pick and roll, and you can blitz it. And the Lakers had a lot of success blitzing, especially with Anthony Davis being kind of the the the, if if AD was guarding the screen there and the Lakers blitzed it, you had AD and Vanderbilt or AD and Cam Reddish blitzing the ball handler there, and it was just like, well, this sucks <laughs> uh, for for the for the ball handler. For us, it was great. It's really fun to watch. But from the bar, ball handler's perspective, it was like, oh, and it, and it's the kind of thing. Also, the Lakers were so successful in doing this. I don't know how replicable it is. Um, the Lakers have a, a pretty unique set of wings in this regard, but you're damn, you can be damn sure that the rest of the league looked at that. and was like, Oh, we can blitz. We haven't even tried that. <laughs> and, and it's going to be really interesting to see like what, what, what comes out of this, but um, on both sides of the floor, Anthony Davis was absolutely dominant. Ah, <laughs> absolutely dominant. It was one of the best games I have seen the dude play. 
and he didn't like light them up from three point range. It wasn't some like crazy shooting outlier. It was just minute after minute after minute of ass kicking. And boy, was it fun to watch. If the star of the final game was Anthony Davis, the star of the tournament was obviously LeBron James as he takes home the uh, first ever NBA in-season tournament MVP trophy. Um, And, you know, from start to finish of this thing, whether it was in group play, the knockout stages, the final or whatever, um, when the Lakers needed him to be, and it was a vast majority of this thing, right? Minus the, the the final game where Anthony Davis was so good that LeBron didn't have to be the best player on the court. But uh, whenever the Lakers needed a run, in came LeBron James. Whenever the Lakers needed, uh, you know, just just a, a, a security blanket, there was LeBron. Um, when the Lakers worked, looked at their absolute most overwhelming, LeBron was at the center of it playing that free safety thing that I think is really going to catch on. Like, I really think more people are starting to notice, like, LeBron being able to use that supercomputer that is brain that is his brain um on defense and not overtax himself in doing so in fact by like he essentially and again i've i've said this a couple times because of the type of defense that the lakers are playing lebron is able to kind of chill until he has to explode and sometimes he doesn't have to explode defensively sometimes he just like stands there takes away a passing lane and the other team's offense gets mucked up then it's just a matter of do the Lakers grab the rebound coming off of the out of rhythm jumper that that team is forced to take. No, in this one, you know, defensively what LeBron is, is now being asked to do seems very sustainable, seems exciting, frankly. And, uh, you know, with, with, with the amount of wings that the Lakers have, and now that they're all healthy, finally, you're seeing a version of this team that surrounds LeBron with an incredible amount of of talent, you know. And look, they aren't all going to be healthy all the time, and there are going to be some lulls. I'm really curious how the Lakers look now that these games are behind them and they have to find urgency somewhere else. This ha- urgency has been a problem. For the Lakers this season um, in in the non-in-season tournament games. So, you know, what that looks like is 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 obviously going to be very interesting. And and it is something that the Lakers are going to have to deal with, um, you know, from from here on out. But yeah, the Lakers and, and, and specifically LeBron James. Everybody here looks some kind of special like they like this. Again, I, I I keep saying it, and I you know the other day I said it to Jen while I was sitting there like brushing my teeth or getting ready to brush my teeth. It was the first thing I said that morning, like first like English sentence that I said that wasn't you know goo goo gaga to my son or you know horse playing with my daughter. No, the first sentence that I uttered Friday morning was, "Good Lord, they could win a championship," and it's because of the way that LeBron has looked. It's because of the type of defense that, that he is now able to play. 
And and it's because of the the type of identity that the Lakers seem to really uh, be buying into. Uh, I also want to take away from this and point to and point out what it looks like when the Lakers, you know, kind of answer the bell, right? When, when it comes time to, and like in all of, in all of these games, like right in the, in the Pacers game, it was like relatively close, you know, it, it, the Lakers never blew them out. And then late in the game, it was, it was, you know, when it, when it came time to, you know, really seal things up, Lakers did so. You know they they out executed they suffocated the 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 Pacers def- offense again, and they just took the air out of the ball and they 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 finished off that game right. Think of any good football team running the football and and essentially ending a game or being so efficient that you know while the other team desperately needs to stop, you just execute well enough and the game is over, and and you just kind of move on from there and and that's basically what we watched from from the Lakers where <laughs> every time throughout this tournament that they needed a win or they needed to send a message or they needed to answer a message, they were able to do so. And that competitive nature, that competitive culture, now that they have now seen that from themselves, I really hope that they start to hold themselves accountable when they start falling short of it. And it's going to happen. It's a long season and these stakes are no longer there. Um, between now and the playoffs and so right now what you what the what the focus becomes on is like doing what you can to replicate what what you just showed off in the in what you just showcased in that in-season tournament and and then building from it from there and um we we like it's it's kind of like i say with anthony davis i have seen him be special and i know that he is capable of of replicating what made him special in those moments that he was and here with this Lakers team, I have now seen them be special and I'm not expecting it every single night because that would be stupid. Like the point is to, to, to be able to throw that fastball when, when it comes time, but I am expecting to see it more often than not. And I am expecting to see some version of that defense that, that suffocated, the best statistical offense that we have ever seen. And, and, you know, when, when that tone is set by LeBron and by Anthony Davis, so long as the, the role players there, you know, follow suit and match that energy. Yeah. The Lakers have about as impressive a fastball as, as anybody in the league has been able to throw this year. And the crazy thing here is the Lakers have plenty of room to grow. Like the Lakers beat the Pacers uh, on, on Saturday, despite shooting two of 13 from, from three point range, 15% from three point range. Now it helps that they held Indiana to 10 of 41, 24% from three point range, but only making two three pointers and winning going away. They won by 14 by the end of the thing. So the Lakers looked overwhelming despite not making three-pointers. You just make some three-pointers, right? And, and that was the joke that I kept making with Raj on Thursday after the Lakers beat the crap out of the Pelicans, which like part of that was on the Pelicans. I think they're like a sad, unserious bunch. And I'm really curious where they go from here. But like the Lakers basically here, um, 
we've wondered what's it going to look like when the Lakers play that kind of defense and make their threes. Well, they beat the Pelicans by 44. And, you know, like if the Lakers have just like an average shooting night against the Pacers, you're talking about potentially a 20-point win against, again, a really good team playing really good basketball. So, like, in that in that regard, just from, like, a shooting perspective, the Lakers can still look better than they did in that game as they wrapped up a an in-season tournament championship. Um, there's also, like, in terms of personnel, a ton of room to grow. You know, they still haven't seen Gabe Vincent, so maybe they turn him into something. You can consolidate the wings. You can go out and get another big. You can do any number of things here to, to, to um, you know, take that next step. And that next step, like I already consider them among the elite contenders for a championship. Can you leapfrog a couple of those teams? Can you make yourself a favorite, right? Can you make yourself the favorite, depending on the personnel that you bring in or the steps forward that you take in the areas that you need to? I give they're they're this team is really effing good and they were at times overwhelming in this tournament. And I think they can get better. I I, I know they're going to get better. My last little note um as it pertains to the Lakers specific uh in-season tournament especially final win was it had to feel good for D'Angelo Russell. And, and you know, now the audio is leaked where apparently D'Lo was telling, you know, Bruce Brown, like, to back up all the shit that he talked over the summer. Um, Now that Jokic is not there. And, um, you know, that was just... It's the kind of thing that, like, D'Lo is a very easygoing guy. Um, He's unique, don't get me wrong. and And he does have an ability to kind of rub people the wrong way but you don't really think of him as like a shit talker you don't really think of him even even as somebody who like takes notes on who says what or sue who said what about him um Dilo is again like a pretty laid-back easygoing guy and i thought it was cool to again see that kind of competitive fire come out and 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 watch him feel comfortable to talk that kind of shit to, to Bruce Brown and for it to like fit in with the larger Lakers culture to where D'Lo saying that stuff and, and like kind of poking at somebody isn't the kind of thing that anybody else around there is like, eh, lighten up a little bit. No D'Lo says those things. And, and I, I, I think in that locker room from what I've heard in that locker room, the response to it is like, fuck yeah, let's go. Let's shut up more people. And look, the Lakers don't play the Nuggets again, I, I don't believe, until February. Um, so, like, we kind of have to wait to see, like, how that amount of talking gets shut up, if it does. But, uh, you know, again, you, you combine all of this. You combine the identity. You combine the personnel. You combine some of these guys getting a little nastier and, and now all of a sudden you're looking at this group. That's like, Oh man, this, this again, it's like I said on Friday and surprise the hell out of Jen, because it was the first thing I said to her, this team 
can win a championship. Not going to go out and say that they will. Way too early for that. A lot of steps still need to be taken. But this team is legit. And this tournament hammered that home in, in many more ways than one. Um, as far as like zooming even further out from like a league wide perspective, I do think, and, and like, I, I, I'm hoping that next season when they, you know, make a couple tweaks to the tournament, I'm hoping that one of the things that they, um, that they address obvious, like is the, is the actual basketball impact, right? You, you, you shouldn't play an extra game more than everybody else and just like not have it count at all towards the regular season. I, it has to like be a tiebreaker at the very least. So, and I do think that like some draft capital should come in organizations way when they like do what the league is hoping that they would do and like actually compete to their fullest ability. And by the way, there was no lamer response to what happened over the weekend then the people who are like, aha, you losers, why are you celebrating winning? What? Losers for celebrating winning. So in order to celebrate those things, you need to have won, and yet somehow they are losers despite having won. Okay. I even saw a Clippers fan like poking fun at the Lakers. It's like, you're talking again? Really? Like the last I heard from the Clippers... Lou Williams was explaining why everybody there quit on the pursuit of a championship. You're talking about like a team taking a thing seriously. All right. Um, but I think though, even if, even if like the specific basketball doesn't get addressed in the next iteration of the in season tournament, I do hope that, um, that the league finds a way to, uh, or it's, or becomes known around the league. Like so, for Christian Wood, for example, Christian Wood is making I think just under three million bucks this year. I'm gonna look up his Christian Wood contract, not contact contract. Two year, yeah, five points, uh, four, five point seven four five million dollar deal. So a shade under three mil for the next couple of years for Christian Wood. This $500,000 payout, right, is like a 25% raise for him or so. And uh, I do think that for team for for players that are in that predicament where they are now signing a minimum deal, I think one thing that most of these or all of those players would be smart to consider is how do I arrive with a team that I know is going to take that tournament seriously and is capable of winning that thing? Because that puts me in line, not just to so showcase my talent on that stage, but also potentially to, to get that payout. Right. And, um, you know, for, for, for wood, you, you, you know, that, that winds up being a good payout for him. Hayes, like all of the, the, the Lakers minimum guys, you know, that's, that's again, a nice little 25% raise that or bonus that they all got. And I, uh, you know, uh, typically veterans who are signing minimum deals that uh, they are probably going to outplay, right? They're going to go to a good team so that at least while they outplay that minimum deal, they're doing so and showing that they can win and 
hoping to not remain minimum players for the rest of their career, right? We've seen like Malik Monk, right? And 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 that Lakers team didn't do uh, a whole bunch of winning, but we saw him turn a really good Lakers season. And like the Lakers have always had, especially while LeBron has been there, they've had a better selection of veteran type players um, than, than, you know, most teams because of the stage that veterans know that they're going to be playing on. But I think that is going to extend further into teams that, uh, you know, have the personnel and have the culture to go out and win this thing. Maybe moving forward, veterans look at those situations and say, you know, that's not nothing. I mean, it shit, $500,000 isn't nothing to anybody. <laughs> uh, I would hope but especially to guys who are making that amount of money and, and are looking for any extra influx of cash that they can possibly get. That is uh that's a big deal. And, and I think especially while LeBron is a Laker, if I were a free agent and I was signing a minimum, a minimum deal, I would say, well, I know he's going to take this thing seriously. I know the rest of the team around him is going to take this thing seriously. I'm going to add that on top of the fact that I'm going to get like 60 nationally televised games over the course of the season, plus probably some playoff games. Yeah, I maybe it cost me a, a million bucks or so to go sign there. But if I can leverage that season and make half of that million bucks back and, you know, then leverage that season into a higher salary in my contract after my time with the Lakers. That seems like a pretty good plan. And I, I think it's going to be a more popular approach. Uh, now that everybody has seen at least that the Lakers are going to take this thing seriously. Again, I really didn't understand. I mean, I, I understood where it was coming from. People just don't like saying a lot of people and look like Lakers are the Yankees. The Lakers are the Cowboys. I'm recording this right now as the Cowboys are on. Um, and I wish that I could be clowning the Cowboys, uh, but I can't. They are beating the crap out of Philly right now, although Dak just had a fumble six or whatever. So um, maybe this game gets closer. But yeah, with like those with the Lakers, the Yankees, I guess now the Dodgers um, and and, you know, other teams like that. uh people like to watch them lose and don't like to watch them win. And then certainly don't like to watch those teams or their fans be happy. I feel the same way about the Celtics and their fans. I don't like seeing you guys happy. If anything, I really like the fact that a lot of Celtics fans seem to take my uh, tweet seriously. I love that. That's great. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, the response to the Lakers winning this thing was, was pretty predictable in that regard. But I think across the league, I think that more might be noted. Oh, well, the Lakers play a ton of nationally televised games. Probably going to have an, like if, if so long as this thing continues to be played in Vegas, that's essentially home games, extra home games for the Lakers. All right. Yeah. Sign me up. Let's go win that thing. Make me my bonus money to make back some of the money that that I either had to sacrifice or um, chose to sacrifice um, in signing there. And then I can leverage that into, 
you know, maybe less sacrifice in the following off season. And, and like, I, I don't know if this is going to work out like that for Christian Wood. I do think it's going to work out that way for Cam Reddish. He, I, I, you know, I don't think the Lakers are going to be able to afford him next year because of the type of defense he's playing in that, and that kind of motor. Um, but yeah, this, this in, in season tournament, I would say it was, you know, a pretty good success. Some changes, some tweaks that I may have made. I probably wouldn't have put the semifinal in Vegas because I think part of the pop from this in-season in tournament throughout all of it where, like, that home crowd buying into the extra energy that teams were playing with and that Pacers-Milwaukee game felt very, you know exhibition gamey where the fans like only showed up because screw it, whatever I'm in Vegas and there isn't much else to do on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, so maybe I would change that and, and maybe not play the, the, the semi, you can put the final game wherever you want to put it, but I would maybe put the, the semifinal game in teams arenas if possible. And, and, you know, obviously I would maybe put some more stakes or, you know, attach, an extra carrot that impacts that team's actual basketball outlook by winning it or by doing well in it. Um, but regardless, yeah, I, I thought, I thought this is in season tournament was fun and I think it will, I, I, you know, it's going to stick around because you know, what the, what the league can't afford is just like throw this stuff out there, put all of this effort into it. And, and then, you know, like ditch it because it doesn't get picked up. I think they're going to keep on working on getting it picked up. I think it's probably going to be picked up and we'll see what that looks like. But overall, you know, even I being the stubborn asshole that I am have to acknowledge that was a pretty fun little thing. Probably has a lot to do with the fact that the Lakers won and I might feel differently if the Lakers didn't, but it was fun. Also over the weekend, Adam Silver said that he's thinking about adding more color to NBA Finals courts. Adam, if you do that, I will show up at your house with a sign that just says, I am very disappointed in you. That's all I can say on the air. All right, uh, before we go, before I, I, I do my sign-off and all that stuff, the, for those of you who are Lakers fans, there's a lot of overlap between you and the Dodgers. And the Dodgers reportedly over the weekend, though I haven't seen any official announcement or anything like that, which is kind of interesting. I think we're still waiting on, on physicals. But Shohei Otani put on his Instagram that he is going to be a Dodger. And, uh, you know, thank God, because the Dodgers punted the previous offseason and sat out the, the Juan Soto sweepstakes trade sweepstakes here. So thank goodness they went out and got Otani. It looks like, and I can't wait to watch them next season, but man, what a fun weekend, right? For, for traditional, uh, Los Angeles sports fans. I was, you know what I'm going to say it for the best kinds of Los Angeles sports fans. For those of you who root for the Lakers, who root for the Kings, who root for the Dodgers, uh, who root for the Rams, even uh, if you go back or, or even the Raiders, right? Because of LA ties there. Um, not so much the Chargers because they're a San Diego team. Certainly not the Clippers because they're the Clippers. However you feel, 
what your college allegiance might be or whatever. But I think of all of the LA teams, the most crossover between them is between the Lakers and the Dodgers. And what an incredible sports weekend for the city of Los Angeles and the fans who root for the right teams there. Uh, wow. What, what an outcome you got to celebrate Otani early in the day and you get the nightcap of celebrating winning the inaugural, uh, the, <laughs> the inaugural, uh, in season tournament. And you watch that team play that way and showcase this level of competitiveness. Ooh, man, what a fun weekend. And I do feel like it, it, it is going to have a lot of momentum to move forward with because I, like Andrew Friedman, I guess, came out and said, or it's reported, that he isn't done. The Dodgers are going to add more talent. The Lakers are probably going to add more talent over the course of this season. Um, the the odds, for those of you who are into such a thing, on the Lakers winning a championship this year, not too terrible right now. Maybe take a look at those. Oh, man, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. Thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in this uh, week and this weekend. Um, we have a little bit of news that I'm going to be teasing over the course of the next few or a couple weeks, whatever it is. Uh, so keep an eye or, or an ear out for that. Um, and until then, and until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's, and I will talk to you mañana.